Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. I mean, you can be a memory keeper and not be a scrapbooker. And I think that that's like a really liberating idea for me because it takes the pressure off of having to do any one particular thing. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 82. In this episode, I'm interviewing France Wisniewski for the My Way series. My Way is all about celebrating the unique ways memory keepers get things done. We're excited to have France as the September featured artist at Simple Scrapper. Hey, France, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to finally talk to you. I've, you know, we've been circling in the various spheres online for so long. I was a customer at your shop long ago, and I'm I'm so excited to get to know you better. Me too. I feel like I've seen your name pop up many times, and I just, there's so many people, you know, mm-hmm. within this community and you see them sort of go away and they come back again and you you always kind of wonder I wonder what it'd be like to meet them or know them or yeah yeah. well and and so much with our community because we don't have as many in-person scrapbooking stores and things like that and you know not as many of the big events and well and especially right now when we're not seeing very many people in person in general I think what we can do online is sometimes the next best thing so right I feel like a lot of us are hungry for community right now yes for sure so can you share a little bit about yourself with our audience Sure. So I have been scrapbooking for probably 20 plus years now since the late 90s. I live just north of Seattle with my husband and my dog. I am a brand strategist for a living. So that's interesting, but it's also why I live in a a tech area. Mm-hmm. And what else? I'm trying to think. What else? What else about me? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure more will come out during our conversation. Yeah, I feel as like well. those, I feel like those are the basics. Now, did you grow up in that area? Because I mean, I love the Pacific Northwest. It's so beautiful. I did not. I actually grew up in Southern California. So I grew up in LA, went to college in LA, and did not move out of LA until I was 35. Ah, okay. Yeah. And since then I've lived in I've lived in the south, I've lived on the east coast, midwest, 
West Coast. I've lived all over. My husband works in advertising, so he's gone to agencies all over the country, and I have gone with him. So what what do you like about, does any place stand out as your favorite, or do they all have their pros and cons? They all definitely have their pros and cons. I mean, in hindsight, I could look at each one and say what I love about them now. Oh, yeah, I bet. (laughs) That that might not have been the case at the time, but definitely the Pacific Northwest is my favorite. I'm relatively still close to my family, just a couple-hour flight. And I just, you know, I like trees. I like mountains and water and... I'm a nature girl. So being here feels right to me. It's the home of my choice. Like I've talked to my mom about how for her, California was her home of choice. And, you know, when you're a kid, that's just where you live. And then you get to grow up and decide what is your home of choice? Oh, I love this idea. What a like a beautiful way to think about it. And that, you know, and hopefully many of us do have that opportunity to choose and and even to dream about, okay, if in the next decade of my life, is am I in the place that, that really feels like me and where I want to, to put down those deeper roots? It's, you know, it's such a big place. And like I said, I didn't even discover that until my mid-30s. Like, it wasn't like I did a lot of traveling when I was young. I did not. And... Yeah, it wasn't until later that I got to experience different places, even within the United States, and discover that every segment of this country has its own sort of culture and traditions, and we're all very different. <laughs> that, that is for sure. We're all very, very different. And even though it's one country, we, we all just see things very differently. For sure. <laughs> that is but, very yeah. true. Yeah. It, it's nice to try everything out, you know? Well, I think it's important just through the places that I've lived and the people I've met to have that exposure so that you can better understand how different we really are. And, and maybe even like just, just try to make sense because, you know, if you are just reading the news, it can feel so that we're so fractured and is this repairable, but it, it's helpful to have some sort of life experience to understand part of why things are the way they are, I guess. I think it also makes it a lot easier to understand that we could disagree and still be okay. Yeah. You know, like Mm -hmm. we don't have to hate each other. I think you hate what you don't know, but it's really hard to hate the person who brings in your garbage cans, you know, every week. (laughs) Even if you may not agree with their politics, it's hard to hate that person, you know? Well, I think it's it's just, it's also the importance of like, of personal relationships and seeing humans as human and that we're all having, you know, we're all living our own experience and sometimes those intersect and sometimes they don't. And yeah, we're kind of, we're getting pretty deep right off the bat here. Which is which is true to form for me. I always say that I'm incapable of small talk. I like, I hear you, you know, the the deep and dirty. That's that's where I like to go right off. So, well, I'm looking forward to the rest of our discussion then. So maybe let's transition to what's exciting you right now in memory keeping. 
So what's exciting me? I was, I saw that question. I was thinking, what am I excited about? And I think that a couple things. I'm very excited about what I see happening in memory keeping right now, in particular. That's, that's definitely been something on my mind. The way the memory keeping community, black and brown storytellers in particular, are really encouraging the industry to be more diverse and to be more inclusive because I definitely feel like this is a community driven thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's been really great to see the community respond. And it, like I said, I've been scrapbooking for a very long time and pre social media, pre, you know, internet in general, it was really hard to find and make those connections. It was hard to know who else was out there. Oh, for and, sure. Now it's, uh, it's beyond easy, I guess. <laughs> well, I think it is a lot easier. And I think that in a lot of ways that's good, but then in a lot of ways it's bad because it's good in the sense that people have more access to inspiration and all kinds of things, but it could be bad because now we are really holding these companies accountable based on their visual marketing strategies, basically. Well, and we're, we're saying that um, there's a, almost an expectation that companies have values and right. that they're being asked to express them. And I, I imagine that can be uncomfortable because as, as a company, you don't, you want to support people, but you don't want to alienate others. And as we just discussed, we're all so different and there's so many different opinions. And so I think it takes this more of this sea change, this a momentum to get a company to, to speak out. And I think what has really happened is that a lot of memory keepers who had previously been silent said, okay, I'm just, I don't want to be silent mm -hmm. anymore. I'm here. I've been scrapbooking this whole time. I want people to see me. So there's been, there's been that, but there's also been a lot of longtime memory keepers that are well known in the industry that are like, yeah, we agree. We're here for it. Why, why can't we change? We need to. Yeah. And that collective community spirit, I think has really been what is forcing the shift because well, it's not just one group. It's a collective group. I think it, it does show the power though of leaders within any kind of community when they say yes this is okay this is the direction we're going others are more willing to f to follow suit does that make sense i i definitely think it makes sense although i don't know if i would call them leaders as much okay. as influencers. influencers yeah yeah you know that's a good way because, to frame it right cuz i think that they definitely have a lot of influence even if they haven't been leading in terms of this particular, you know, 
fight, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I would call everyone a leader, but I would definitely say that that the influencers are getting in on the discussion and that has been useful and important. Well, and, and using and leveraging that influence. Um, Absolutely. We've seen, what was the, the name of the, the trading that happened that was led by the crafters? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, right. Past the brush. Yes. So the the past the brush activity where you have, you know, crafters from all different sectors, you know, way beyond scrapbooking and memory keeping, um, providing their online platform for uh, black women to be elevated and to highlight their work. That was a really a powerful experience. For sure. For sure. And I just think that it demonstrates an acknowledgement, really, that creating space is something that is important. And if we want to hold on to this hobby, because while I think that scrapbooking is something that will last forever, because as human beings, we have this desire to document our stories. We're drawn to it. Cavemen did it. We We've done it through through the ages. But I do think that memory keeping, like any industry, has the ability to go away if we don't take care of it. And if it doesn't reflect society and it doesn't reflect storytellers in general, then it becomes smaller and smaller and less available to, to most people. Yes, 100%. I think... I mean, we could apply that type of wisdom to to so many different sectors as well that we need to 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 open the door and say, yes, this is for everyone. Absolutely. I mean, I'm a knitter also, and the knitting industry went through a bit of a a bit of a moment like this, and is still obviously going through it. It's it's an evolution. It doesn't happen overnight. But I had some, I guess, some practice in how all of this would go because of what I experienced in the knitting community. What What do you see um, maybe as a, the next step? What do you see that maybe you expect to happen or you think needs to happen? Or I don't know. Oh, wow. This is... And maybe this isn't, we don't want to keep going here. So I don't know. You know, I'm just one person. And obviously, my expectation is going to be very different from someone else's. But I think that in concrete terms, my expectation would be to see more black and brown faces on showing up in design teams and to see that reflected in product and marketing materials. But beyond that, I mean, I can't regulate every every business, great and small. And I think depending on your size, my expectation for you is different. You know, I would expect something different from like an American crafts than I would from a small business owner who's, you know, one, running a one man or one woman show. For sure. So... 
I don't know. I guess what I expect is more, more inclusivity, more diversity. And I think that companies are going to have to figure out how they hold on to their customers of color. Well, and it's, and being, it requires everyone on, regardless of whether or not you are the company or the consumer to be thoughtful about your purchases and where, how you're spending your money and, and holding, um, holding those companies accountable for their decisions. Um, and also, in my opinion, also providing that opportunity to, when you do hold them accountable to let them, uh, make a change to try again. Yeah. I mean, I think that different people have a different, like different levels of tolerance for sure. (laughs) So I think that for some people they're like, you know, I'm good. I, I'll just shop elsewhere. Some people don't have the desire to wait for change to come at someone else's pace. You know what I mean? Yes. No, I mean, it's very fair because we're talking about long overdue change. Right. So I think that in that respect, I mean, some people are going to exercise more patience than others. Mm -hmm. But I am firmly in the camp of I... I'm a student and I'm also a teacher and I open that up for everyone to take advantage of. So I'm not, I'm not holding anybody to any sort of anything that I wouldn't hold myself to, mm-hmm. you know? So if I made a mistake and I screwed up, I'd want someone to give me a little bit of grace and give me the chance to make it right. Yes. And my willingness to do that and my ability to do that depend on me. That's that's for sure. You know, so I think it's all about just taking ownership of what you did, what you said, just all of it, and then moving forward from there. Because I think people respect that. Do you think there's something that, I mean, we, there's kind of riding this wave of excitement. How do we keep that going just as, as consumers, as, um, you know, micro influencers, people online in the community, sometimes it feels like, okay, what do I do? What can I do to keep things going? When I see something that's a problem, I can call it out, but in my daily behaviors, how can I, um, continue to elevate black and brown voices? How can I be a a positive influence? Like, are there tangibles there? I mean, I kind of think that that's where that's where things get murky is because this idea that we have to actively keep it going mm. feels so overwhelming because we're all taking it on by ourselves. It doesn't feel like something we're doing with someone else. It feels like this is ours. We have to do it. We all have to keep this going. How do we like maintain this momentum. And I think sometimes just expect that you won't. I mean, we can't moment, we can't maintain a level of momentum with anything in our lives, really. Things ebb and flow naturally. That's I mean, very true. That's kind of the rule of the universe is that not everything is going to be the same all the time. So for me, the key is integration look for practical ways to integrate these things into your life 
So it isn't a matter of maintaining momentum. It is just your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It is just your life. Well, I think there's there's kind of like the the upward spiral spiral concept is that you're always like taking what you've learned, what you've experienced, and hopefully improving upon that every time you come around. And there will be opportunities in the future that present themselves. You know, even just in my own neighborhood, we had all these conversations of, um, you know, what is it our our position to do? What would be helpful? And we had to wait for an opportunity about a specific issue to say, okay, here's something that we can talk about. But if you don't have, if you're not even in the mindset, you can't be ready for that opportunity, but it doesn't mean the opportunity is here right now to take action. You have to just be there and be the person who's going to recognize it. Right. Does and that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. And I also think that that's why integration makes makes so much sense because it also requires you to get out of your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. So visit different neighborhoods, you know, and do the things that would make it possible to integrate with people who think differently and look differently than you do. And you will be surprised at how those opportunities to exercise newfound knowledge will present themselves. For sure, for sure. So I'm curious, have you have you scrapbooked this time in our lives? They both, I mean, the the intersection of the pandemic with um, racial unrest and important discussions. Like, how has this folded into your memory keeping journey? This is an interesting question because as all of this was happening, I got a few messages from some companies asking me if I would like to share my work or use certain products and share that. And my response was no, because I not only have I not documented the pandemic, I mean, through scrapbooking, I've documented in my journal, of course, Mm -hmm. but via scrapbooking, no, but also I don't, and I think this might be not a popular (laughs) opinion, but I don't really scrapbook anything that is painful or negative or sad. Okay. Yeah. So while I might write about it in my journal or express it in another way, it's not something I scrapbook about unless I have a way of telling a story that is joyful or hopeful or filled with gratitude, something that made me laugh, something that made me smile. That's more the the subject matter that I personally choose to scrapbook. And, and I also know that in terms of just talking about racism and race. I mean, I'm a biracial woman. So, so the story didn't start here for me. For sure. And I don't know how I would scrapbook it in one layout or in one album. It's just, that's not how my mind works. So up until now, I haven't had a tremendous impetus to tell 
the story of any one thing in particular via scrapbooking. Well, I think when you have journaling as a tool in your life, though, that I, I can see that that plays in a role that maybe it doesn't for a scrapbooker who doesn't also keep a journal. So, you know, all all of the tools we use to express ourselves kind of meet certain needs. But if you're if you're not much of a journaler, I can see that would be a reason why somebody might want to incorporate more of that in something that that looks more like scrapbooking. Um, Absolutely. I mean, you, you could still do what you're you you could still consider your journaling scrapbooking for the purposes of talking about memory keeping in general. You're just you process things in that you do your art with the more positive spin and then you, you use your words perhaps exclusively for, you know, working through those difficult emotions and capturing the 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 ebbs and flows of your own life and your own experience. Yeah, I call it the memory keeping umbrella Mm -hmm. because we all have access to all these different ways of keeping our memories. And I mean, you can be a memory keeper and not be a scrapbooker. For sure. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like a really liberating idea for me because it takes the pressure off of having to do any one particular thing. And I do consider my journaling as a part of my scrapbooking, just like I consider my social media and my planner. Mm -hmm. It's all parts of my overall memory keeping strategy, if you will. But scrapbooking in particular, I really use that as a way to tell stories creatively. Mm -hmm. It it is almost like a combination of my love of design and my love of art journaling. Well, it sounds like it's it's how you are celebrating life is you bring that to the table through all of your your the various crafty passions you have. 100%. That word celebrating is a perfect description. Well, and you said at the beginning that maybe you, it might be unpopular, but I, I would venture there's perhaps many memory keepers out there that can identify with that, that you have maybe made the choice to focus primarily on the silver linings, the, how this all worked out in the end, the, the, the lessons learned and putting the positive spin on it, because that's, that's what you want to reflect back on is the all the highs in life we know there's lots of lows that we're not trying to hide that but the things we most want to remember were all the positives in between and I also think it tells the most true story of who I am the fact that I have chosen to look at things with a certain perspective and tell the story from a certain perspective it isn't Like, I don't exist just in each story. I exist in the way that I've told those stories. I am a hopeful, optimistic person by nature. And when I look back on my own personal scrapbooks, I get that vibe 100%. Like, it feels like me. Mm. I love that. And it's it's an interesting way of thinking about that you are... Because if you look at scrapbooks as maybe the things that we share and the journals as the things that we don't share, you're choosing to to have your outward expression to be to reflect your positive outward nature, even though, you know, you may have 
complicated thoughts on the inside and you're, you choose to process them with yourself so that you can be that positive person on the outside. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also just when I, I mean, I don't have children. So when I first started scrapbooking, there was just this big emphasis on scrapbooking for the future, like for mm -hmm. your children. Mm -hmm. And I remember even taking a class at a local scrapbook store and there being a discussion about who we're leaving these to for our children. What do we want our children to know about us? And I, and for me, someone who doesn't have children had no plans to have children. I thought, well, I mean, so that eliminates a lot of people mm -hmm. right there. So how am I, how do I figure out why I'm doing this? And it took a long time. Like initially I did it because I love the product. I like to play with paper but I didn't really have much of a reason beyond that. I was using almost exclusively pictures of my three-year-old niece just because I thought that's what scrapbooking was just cute pictures of kids. And that was the only kid I knew. So that was all my scrapbooking consisted of. And it took a while before I realized like, wait, I can do this for me. This can be about me. And I could be doing it for my future self, but also my current self. And it took on a whole new meaning at that point. And I got so much more joy out of, out of it. No offense to my niece. She's lovely, but I didn't want to spend my life scrapbooking about her. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. No, I, in my early days of scrapbooking too, I document a lot of my extended family. My stepsons were not interested in being photographed. I had not yet had a child of my own. And so I was like, well, I need these kids to scrapbook about. And so I took all my my nieces, these you know, little girls, and I scrapbooked. I have so many layouts of them. Um, they're not particularly deep. It's like, look, we went to a birthday party. Um, and then I felt that new per that permission. I, the more that I kind of delve into the the community, I understood that there there were was this the subgroup of people that were uh, offering this permission to scrapbook about yourself and to to use a different perspective, and that that was that was okay, and not only just okay, but more, but that's your way, it's your unique way, and that's it's beautiful as it is. It's the internet. I really think that that just blew everything wide open. Mm -hmm. I mean, for me. Once I started discovering scrapbooking on the internet and wasn't relying anymore on just magazines, I was able to find scrapbookers like myself. Mm -hmm. And that, that helped me to see that I could really do anything I want with this. There's all kinds of people doing whatever they want. It doesn't have to look like what I'm seeing in the magazine. Even though I liked what I was seeing in the magazine and that's what initially drew me to the hobby, I never saw myself represented in any of those layouts. And I think like now when we talk about representation and why it's so important, I think especially when you are new to a hobby, you want to be able to see yourself reflected in it to know your place and to know why I should even be doing this. 
Yes, that's so important, especially as we are uh, trying to get younger people interested in what we're doing. And I think they're so much more, uh, they, they've they've taken the lessons from, from our generation and they're so much more culturally aware and they're, they have higher expectations than maybe we did. And they... They are expecting us to show them how how they can show up in this this community. Absolutely. And I love the fact that a lot of them are not even like waiting for us to show them. They're figuring it out and they're showing each other. Well, and showing us too. For right. Sure. And showing us. Yeah. Right. For sure. Well, I think that's sure. I think that's another part that I think is just really exciting to see and, and also how like the planner community intersects with with scrapbooking and um, other types of, of crafters and just seeing that, you know, you guys, you <laughs> older ladies, let's just call us that, um, you know, we're going to show you how it's done, I guess. I don't know. I'm, I've, I've, this train of thought has not worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I go down a lot of those dead end paths. <laughs> that happens to me all the time. It's like, okay, moving on. But- <laughs> But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I do. I definitely feel as though there are, I really have hope for the future of this hobby. When I look at people like, you know, Tashi, Tashiana Gordon, Mm -hmm. and I see how, how much she loves this hobby. It is like, she's bursting with joy for Mm -hmm. this hobby and she's young. She's like, I could probably be her mom. And when I see that amount of joy coming from someone who is young and who's just like making her way and as busy as she is and as much as she has going on, she's still making the time to scrapbook. That fills me with hope. For sure, for because, time. you know, the, the the idea that we don't, oh, I don't have enough time to scrapbook. How many former scrapbookers do we all know? So many. And I think it, it's showing that it's about uh, choosing what's important to you, um, finding that balance. And also, as you've been describing, finding what is your why in this hobby? What fills you up? What do you need to feel like a a balanced, sane human who, you know, whose feelings are being captured and you've, you're getting your own expression out there. And that's, I mean, yeah. And also acknowledging that your purpose over time can shift and change. Like it can evolve. Why you started doesn't have to be the same reason why you're doing it now. Like when I first started art journaling, when I was like 10, I was doing it because I had a lot of anxiety as a child and I had a teacher suggest that I start writing things down, that I keep a journal and it became a way for me to deal with a lot of my overwhelming thoughts. Like I was in my head a lot Mm -hmm. and that was why I did it. But as I got older in my 20s, I actually got diagnosed with anxiety and I discovered a lot of other strategies. So I kept journaling, but because it made me feel balanced, it made me feel centered. It was a part of my routine that I actually enjoyed. So even though I wasn't using it in the way that I had as a child, I continue to do it even today 
just because it's a little bit of time that I take every morning to get my day started off, just like people get a cup of tea or get a cup of coffee, exercise, do yoga, whatever it is that you do that is part of your routine to get to get it together every day. For me, that's writing. And it's come to mean different things to me over the years. And I think the same thing can be said about scrapbooking. Over the years, my reason for doing it has changed. But I think having a reason is so important. So I'm curious how your journaling habit that you had so young in life evolved into being a scrapbooker. Oh, well, it was really like, so I started writing as a kid and I would just write and write. And the writing became like part writing, part sketching, like drawing doodles and flowers and things like that. And then in high school, I discovered art journaling through one of my teachers. And when I started college, that same teacher asked me if I was interested in starting an art and joining an art journaling group. So I joined an art journaling group. I used to have friends who made fun of me for this because everyone else in the group, they were all like in their forties and fifties. So way older than I was. And I felt like I was just having this the time of my life with all of these senior citizens and what's funny <laughs> is that they're like the exact same age that I am now I know yeah <laughs> right so but it was just like I think that I always had an affinity for just hanging out with older people I grew up with my grandfather he lived with us and he was my best friend so it was not unusual for me to hang out with him and his friends so yeah I I felt very comfortable and it was a very great way to learn just to experiment creatively, just with surrounded by a bunch of people who just told me, do whatever you want. You know, we'll show you a bunch of techniques and you just do you. And it, I didn't compare myself to them because they were so much older than I was. So it was freeing in that respect, but they also worked with a lot of vintage ephemera mm -hmm. and I was younger. Like I, I was a part of that art journaling group for years. And I remember it was like my mid twenties, I think my mid to late twenties. And we met up at the back of a stamp shop. And one day I was walking through the stamp shop and I saw a creating keepsakes magazine. And I thought that looks new. That doesn't look vintage. I want to try that. Mm -hmm, I bet. Yeah. Right. And I also, I was just kind of getting into photography. So I had pictures and I thought, I don't really use any of my pictures in art journaling, but this would give me a way to use my pictures. So initially, yeah, I think I was more drawn to how scrapbooking looked versus having any desire to create scrapbooks for the future. So it wasn't maybe about storytelling because you you had your journaling, but you were you wanted to make things that looked like this that looked that felt fresh and modern and and reflected, you know, your design tastes. 
Exactly. And honestly, I didn't know it was about storytelling for quite some time because when you look at a lot of those early layouts and oh, magazines, sure. there weren't any stories. Yeah. So I didn't really know it was supposed to be about storytelling. So well, and it's it probably it's probably not fair to say that it is supposed to be. I think there's just there's a lot of us, and I would say that you and I are in that camp that embrace that as is one of the reasons why it is fulfilling today. Yes. Yeah, that's definitely a better way of putting it. But I didn't even know of the storytelling component Mm -hmm. of scrapbooking when I first started. I didn't even know that that was something upon which the hobby had been built, you know, if you will. And it wasn't until much later. I think it wasn't until really I started taking like classes with Allie Edwards and Mm -hmm. she was a very big proponent of this, of telling the story. And I thought to myself, well, I have stories. I have a lot of stories. (laughs) You know, I'm a storyteller too. And I thought of my journaling as completely separate from my scrapbooking. And I think once I started to figure out that that was the that was the format that I like to scrapbook in mixing the story with the art that when I figured that out, that's when I started to experience real joy in this hobby. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, that's that's what we all want is to to have that moment where it's like, yes, I've like. I've I found my way. I found what feels good to me where it all kind of comes together. And I think it takes trying a lot of different ways. It does. You know, I mean, I started off just trying to copy layouts that I liked. And while I would like the way that it looked, it didn't fill me with a sense of like, that was so fun. Because really, I was just replicating something I saw. Well, that's it, how we that's how we learn, and that's how you you can create an experience from that, and then you figure out okay, what parts of that felt like me, what parts of that do I want to do again, and what parts really didn't fit as well. For sure, I think it's a an important step in in the process of like figuring out your way is maybe trying a lot of different ways. Well, I also, I think as you've, you've mentioned a couple of times that that might change over time based on what's, what's going on in your life. Um, you know, there was a time which I, I started digital and I kind of at a certain point kind of started rejecting that because I wanted to get off the computer. Um, but in a lot of ways I've found my way back because it is so much easier for me to write and, and really express myself by typing these days than it is to write by hand, just because that's, that's what we do all day long. We type emails, we like, we type things. Um, and I'm, I'm not a journaler myself. And so I do a lot of hybrid layouts now because telling stories by typing feels natural. I agree with you 100%. I started out with just paper, then I shifted to digital. I actually used to design digital kits for two peas in a bucket back in the day. And I had no idea. I did not know that. Yeah. 
So yeah, I used to design digital kits for two peas in a bucket. So at that time I had gone all the way digital and then I went back to paper and I definitely consider myself a hybrid scrapbooker now, but I still have, sometimes I just have the desire to go back and do a hundred percent digital again, just because a, it feels familiar in terms of my technical abilities, Mm -hmm. but like you said, it's so easy and it flows really well. Just, I like not having to go and dig for anything or, I mean, if I was more organized, I guess I wouldn't have to go dig for anything, but yeah, I just feel like sometimes digital just feels a lot easier. I'm curious, throughout this evolution, so regardless of, of process or actual format, how how does your style come out? And has your style been relatively consistent or has it evolved over time? Hmm. I, I always wonder about this question, style. Like when I hear other people talk about their style and I wonder like, how did you figure that out? Because I am averse to thinking about my style ever. And one of the reasons is because I feel like it holds me back. Hmm. I feel like I don't want to subscribe to any style. I feel like that is, that's a weird direction for me to go in because once I start thinking about style, I then start thinking about, Oh, I can't do that. That's not my style. So if anything, I would say that, I just let myself do whatever. And I think a lot of that comes from my background in art journaling, just that sense of creative experimentation has always been a positive thing and has always been encouraged. And I feel that same way with scrapbooking. So When I think about my style, I think I've had a lot of different styles over the years, but primarily just, I don't know, neat. (laughs) I'm a neat (laughs) scrapbooker. (laughs) Well, I think we often can find kind of, if you're to look at someone's body of work over a period of time, you might see an evolution, but there's often kind of threads of consistency with how they like, what kind of colors they're drawn to with the amount of white space, with how things are like kind of organized on the page. Is it more straight or, or, or not straight, crooked, off center? Um, I think that we all have things we're naturally, uh, that we just naturally create, but it's just, that's the way our brain works, the way our eyes connect with how something should be laid out on a page. And I think that's not, there's not always a way to like say, well, that's, you know, that's this type of style. And I think that's, that's maybe what you're, you're getting at with, I just do what I do. And maybe we might be able to, to pick you, you know, here's, this is, these look like layouts that France made. Um, but it it's not a way you can't characterize it as like colorful or fresh or, you know, there's no word for it. It's just you. Right. And I actually prefer for other people to do that. You know, if you look at it and that helps you, yeah, you, you tell me what style it is or you figure that out because I don't subject myself to that same analysis. Like I don't ever think about it at all. So 
I never know how to answer it because I've never analyzed my own work in that way. Like when I look at my past scrapbooks, I don't look to see what is consistent across all of the pages and identify that as something that I do stylistically. Hmm. I'm so fascinated by this because it's because it's something that I definitely do. And so I'm wondering, like, what proportion of people out there are more like you or more like me? I mean, obviously, there's there's going to be some of both. I think that in my work, my work, by nature of what I do, it's highly scrutinized. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's so much of that that I've had to do in my work that that's not something that I do with my hobby. Okay. I have two thoughts here. So mm-hmm. one is that the, the point you made earlier about you don't want to say this is my style because then if you do something different, you feel like you're breaking the style and, and maybe adding a measure of like inconsistency. So I, I can see that for sure. And I've maybe questioned, well, do I want to add this type of page to this album? Because then it's not going to fit, if you will. But when you mention your work, though, you know, as someone who's an educator in the industry, I have to often take my own stylistic preferences out of my recommendations. And and I imagine you as someone who's working for, you know, you're doing this this brand work for other companies. You have to take on their style. It's not about you at all. Right. You're trying to, to do something that works for them. I mean, obviously it depends. Like some companies will hire you because they like your style Mm -hmm. and, and other companies expect you to be able to mirror their, their brand messaging. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think some of the great design, some of the best designers have the ability to do both and be both at all times. But style is some, it's like a word that I, that you would hear a lot. Like, oh, I love that person's style or that's not our style. Mm -hmm. And I always felt it so limiting to me, you know, creatively. And it's really just in my head, the idea that I have to, and I think it's just my inner rebelliousness. Like I don't want to have to capitulate to anything. I want to just. I just want to do what I want to do. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's an important thing to understand about yourself. I know that I, when it comes to like a to-do list, I love lists and get in staying organized, but I don't want anybody to tell me what to do next. I want to always have the freedom to pick what gets done next. Oh, I yes, I'm the same way. I have lists. I'm a planner. I like to be organized. I like I mean, when I first went to school, I started out as a science major. I like formulas. Mm -hmm. I like having a game plan. But I like coming up with that. I like creating that. I like constructing that aspect so that, I mean, I'm a control freak, to be honest. (laughs) So for me, having to give myself, having to assign a style to myself feels like I am being controlled. I, I, I respect that. So I think that's really, it's very self-aware to, to take on, to, to say that about yourself. So it's fair. Yeah. Probably a bit too self-aware for my hobby. (laughs) (laughs) 
but but I mean it's it's true to who I am. Well, I know we'll have a lot of listeners out there that are um identifying with the way that we're talking about things and and have it saying, "Oh gosh, there's other people that that think about these things in their head too." I I wonder. Yeah. I mean, I imagine so. Uh, I'm curious how you know, mentioned you're a planner. Do you, how do you stay motivated to to keep creating? And do you experience kind of ebbs and flows in that, or are you someone that really d- always has to keep creating? I am always making something. It may not always be a scrapbook layout, but I am always making something. And I think it's because once again, talking about my anxiety, I am an overthinker. I'm like I said, I'm in my head a lot. I feel like this podcast is evidence of that. (laughs) But yeah, I just I have a lot of thoughts. And my mind can sometimes run away with me. So a way for me to calm my spirit, as my mom used to say, has been to make things. So when I was a kid, she bought a lot a lot of crafts for me to kind of relax me. And I just carried that love of making into adulthood. So I knit, I crochet, I like to cook. I just, I like to make things. So even if it's not a scrapbook layout, I'm always making something. Well, I think that it's important to... We can sometimes be hard on ourselves when we're not specifically scrapbooking, but it doesn't mean you're not making something somewhere else. Because uh, if we're this type of person, we probably are, whether it's, you know, it's you're, you're diving into a cookbook and trying new recipes or you're on a health journey and you're, you're trying to keep track of all that. You are making something or you're experimenting with a new type of craft with, you know, with your, your partner or your child or, or solo, um, we, we like to make things. And even if it's not scrapbooking, you're still, you're still doing and you're moving forward. Yeah. I, I never feel like the pressure to scrapbook. I mean, I do a lot of things. So I get around to scrapbooking when I feel like doing it. It wouldn't be as fun for me if I felt pressure to do it, you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, from a more practical perspective, I feel more motivated to scrapbook when I have a clean craft room. I mean, that's definitely a big one. When my desk is a mess, I don't want to make anything. Mm, yes, I, I can identify with that as well. So so you mentioned the word fun. So I'm curious, what else is fun for you in scrapbooking right now? What are you loving? Oh, so much. What am I loving? I... I am a big product person. So one of the number one things that inspires me to create anything, like I think one of your questions was where do you get inspiration or what's what's inspiring you? Where do you get inspiration? I can't remember exactly. But for me, I mean, I would love to say that it's, oh, the story or this or that. But a lot of times it is the product. I will see something cute and I will want to build a page around that. And right now, let's see, I have a bunch of stuff on my desk, but I have really loved the storyline collection by Heidi Swap. Mm-hmm. I just had an order from HSN arrive today with a bunch of storyline products. <laughs> it's 
I mean, I didn't buy the actual notebook. Mm-hmm. I just bought like the washi tape and the stickers and some papers, but it is beautiful. And like, I don't have a personal style in terms of my scrapbooking, but I do have a style in terms of product and color palettes that I love. And I love sort of romantic, feminine, floral, vintage, like Maggie Holmes. Do you think your kind of your entree with the art journaling influenced that? Did you like that style, that style, that the, those types of motifs and colors before that as well? Have you always been into that? Or is I that have, like a moder- a more of a, a current thing that you're into? I have always been into it. I grew up with a mom who was very much into Jane Austen and historical romances and just reading. And I just fell in love with this mix of nature and vintage and muted color palettes. And I mean, I don't know where it came from really, but I, that's what I have an affinity for. And well, you said I don't you're know. also kind of an outdoor girl too. So I think that, that definitely influences, you know, you, you feel, you see patterns that, that make you feel comfortable and cozy. And, you know, if, if leaves and trees do that, when you see those on patterns, it's, it's like, oh, this is me. I'm home. Definitely. And just like also the muted color palette of the earth. Yes. You know, I just, I really love that. And I don't think that there are enough collections, honestly, that are muted color palettes. I wish there were, I guess, because they don't, it might be hard for, for some people to use because it doesn't always look youthful or whimsical or fun, but I think it can for sure. Well, and it's, there's a delicate balance there between uh, to look youthful, it tends to be slightly more bright. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to, I don't know, how, I don't know what to say. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it, when I think about who the products are marketed toward, I don't know if they're marketed toward a middle-aged woman without children, hmm. you know, and that's just, that's a generalization, of course. But I think that based on what I see overall in my own knowledge of like product design, I don't think that that's like, that's who they're thinking about when they are coming up with color palettes and things like that. So I tend to prefer collections that come out in the fall Mm. because they tend to be more geared toward nature and they tend to have a more neutral muted color palette. And, but yeah, I, that's one of the reasons why I really love this storyline collection by Heidi Swap. It's just beautiful. And I just love the way that muted colors don't take away from my photographs. It, they're very easy to integrate into my layouts versus really bright embellishments and colors. It's very hard to, to get them to play nicely with with my photos and, and all of that. Oh, for sure. Well, and I'm just trying to think about all the different ranges of lines out there. The ones I'm definitely attracted to tend to be uh, less thematic, more muted, 
more kind of smaller patterns, textures, little slightly botanical. I'm maybe not as vintage as you, but I definitely a lot of the things that you describe I'm attracted to. I was even I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and like I love the look of people who work with like Felicity Jane kits and even Pink Fresh Studio, but sometimes it's almost too clean. It's too like too graphically designed. And I feel like sometimes it 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 uh it conflicts with the photo as you were talking about. When it's more natural, organic, it it's more of a support for the photo. Right. And I could definitely have an aesthetic appreciation yes. for a lot of layouts. But it doesn't mean that that would be one that I would be moved to create myself, you know? Well, that's an important part of, of maturing as a scrapbooker is identifying, uh, I like this, but it's not me versus I like this and it's me. Right. And I think a lot of scrapbooking, especially now, is kind of a spectator sport <laughs> where we we like looking at layouts, but we don't always get around to making layouts. Well, that is, yeah, that's uh, the ongoing challenge, something that we're always seeking to try to to work through here at Simple Scrapper. I mean, our, our community is pretty much the, the, the thrust of what we focus on is, is accountability and support and getting you to, to do more than the spectating uh, and the thinking and to actually take that to action. Yeah, that's why I think it's so important. It's because I think that people who look at a lot of scrapbooking, it's because they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, for sure. And can't, and can't get from point A to point B for whatever reason. So giving people practical strategies for doing that is, I think, a service to the community for sure. So maybe wrapping things up here, what's kind of your lesson learned from your 20 plus years of scrapbooking, you know, that, that you could pass on to others who are maybe new to the hobby or maybe not as, um, evolved and secure in, in how you approach it. I would say, I mean, I, number one, I would probably say, tell the stories you're most moved to tell when you're most moved to tell them. That's number one. I think that very early on, I got into this thing where I was trying to tell everything chronologically and it got very overwhelming very fast. And I realized, okay, this is not the type of scrapbooker I am. I'm not a chronological scrapbooker. I just want to tell the stories I'm inspired to tell. So be open to that option if if that's what fits, for sure. Another thing I would say is don't be averse to using old products with new products. Mm. You know, products get old really quick. So, I mean, I know that in the beginning when I first started scrapbooking, I would just buy everything. And I mean, you can't use everything. So some things are going to get old and you look for ways to use your new things with your old things. And a lot of that has to do with being conscious of what you have and kind of being conscious of the type of things you like. And those are the things that you invest your money in and I mean, I don't know, like 
beyond that, I would say allow for scrapbooking to be a joyful exercise. Mm -hmm. Yes, I love that. You know, it doesn't always. I mean, that's what we want. We want to, you know, there's there's parts maybe that that aren't as fun in the journey because maybe you don't enjoy managing your photos or or getting them printed or filing your album filing your layouts into albums at the end but the overall experience should be joyful otherwise why are you doing it 100% i've heard from a lot of people who feel obligated mm. to to scrapbook and a lot of that is the pressure that they feel to scrapbook for their children or their families and it often seems like they're not really enjoying it. And to me, it's like, if you're going to do this and you've already committed to wanting to create these books for your family, look for ways to enjoy it. A hundred percent. Because life is too short <laughs> to indulge in anything that makes you stressed out or unhappy. It should be something you look forward to and, and, and readily set aside time for and, and where you, uh, don't have time to do too much window shopping because you're so busy creating. <laughs> Absolutely. And a lot of times it's just a perspective shift. It is. It is. You know? To say you get so, to do this. Like I get to be a scrapbooker and I get to choose how I do it. And sometimes I'm going to take some shortcuts so I can get this thing done that I feel like my family wants to see. And then sometimes I'm going to, I'm going to roll around in all those papers and have a good time and really express my creativity throughout the project. Right. And diverse your storytelling style. Like you don't have to do it one way every single time. You don't have to work in just one format. I have like four different formats going at all times. What are those four formats? I have pocket pages. I have a six by 12 pocket page. So whenever I feel compelled to make a pocket page layout, I have an album all ready for that. And I have eight and a half by 11 layouts. I just started that. So that's relatively a new thing. I mean, I've always done eight and a half by 11, but I've just gotten back into making full size layouts. And I also work in like a little life crafted album. Mm -hmm. So traveler's notebook size. And then I also do a bit of junk journaling. Well, it sounds my, like you have a good, like, kind of a diversified portfolio, if you will, to so that you always can stay creatively inspired and just follow your intuition on any given day of what you want to work on. Very much, because I think that if I didn't have those options, like, if I only did one thing, I would not be nearly as interested in this hobby as I am. I love that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Where can we find you online? And do you have anything new or interesting coming up that you want to share about? Where can you find me online? Well, my Instagram, which is Banana Fish Studio. And really, my Instagram is the only thing that's that I do on a regular basis. I have a blog, which is bananafishstudio.com, which looks nice, but has not been updated in quite some time. <laughs> And same goes for my YouTube. I have a few videos on there, but I haven't added anything new in in quite some time. So visit those at your own peril. 
But yeah, the Instagram is probably the most consistent. Well, I think I've, I've, uh, maybe was more hesitant on Instagram at the beginning, but I really, it's, it's can so much, uh, provide a lot of the, the outlet and the service that we provided with a blog or even with YouTube for that matter, you know, with videos and stories and IGTV nowadays that you can do so much on Instagram and, and so much easier and quicker too. So it kind of, it's very satisfying. It just really feels like a one-stop shop. Yeah. And sometimes I ask myself, like, why do I have all of these other things? And I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> oh, I I understand. Sometimes I want to like burn it all down and start over to keep things right. simple. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I don't know why I still have a blog. I don't use it. No one visits it. And I don't know why I still have a YouTube because I don't do anything. And somehow I have subscribers. I don't know what they're subscribing to, but you know, I mean, they're subscribing to your, to hoping for your future. <laughs> I think so. They're <laughs> investing in my future. That's what I like to think. That's yeah. what they're there for. They're investing in my future. And to that, I say, thank you. <laughs> well, this has been a lovely discussion. Um, I appreciate the the depth and thoughtfulness we've cover a wide range of topics uh, and I appreciate that you brought up um, issues with um, diversity and inclusion within the scrapbooking industry and broader. Um, it's probably one of the first times it's been mentioned on the podcast and so I, I really appreciate that. And thank you to all of our listeners as well. Please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. 